Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Scott, and my guest today is Garrett Hansen. Garrett is a Washington State-based photographer who we've just published an article of his, and we thought it would be kind of fun to tie this together. So the article that we're referencing is the A Beginner's Guide to Getting the Shot. Uh, Welcome to the show, Garrett. Hey, thanks so much, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, this is fun. And just so everybody knows, and total transparency, this was a last minute thing. So we welcome Garrett for being flexible. So thanks, man. (laughs) Why don't you give us a little bit of your background and how you got into photography? Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, the way I like to describe my story when it comes to photography is I did the wrong thing. Um, I was the I was the guy that said, hey, photography looks cool. I'm going to go buy all the things and then do photography. Um, and what that translated into was a camera that was sitting in my closet for about two, two and a half years before, actually before I really picked it up, uh, to take it anywhere. And so, um, yeah, straight out of college, I started working in sales, uh, for a few different tech companies. After about five years, I ended up taking a sabbatical and did a bunch of traveling and found a, uh, found a camera in my hand. And so, um, it got to the point where it felt like as I went back into the sales world, felt like I was working two jobs. Um, and that eventually came to a breaking point. And so as of January this year, I transit transitioned into full-time photography. So it's kind of the, the high level overview. Well, welcome to the entrepreneurial world. And you picked a strange year to get started, man. And I don't know. <laughs> Just yeah. anyway, it's yeah. a yes. strange, strange year for us all. Learning process, that's for sure. So in your article, you know, you kind of reference, you, you, you know, smartphones and, and, and all of that. So when you're out shooting, what are you using these days? What, what camera is your go-to? What do you grab? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I, I shoot on a Sony a seven R three and this is the first leap that I made into the mirrorless world. Um, but, uh, prior to that, I was just using a Canon five D Mark three. Um, I, I like to have, uh, as, as much as possible. I like to have prime lenses, but also that, uh, that's not always easy to be prepared for, you know, any situation as you go out doing landscape stuff or nature shooting. So, um, these days lately, I've just been using a 24 to 70 and then, uh, like a 70 to 200. And it's kind of the, the go-to, I think, kit for a lot of people, but, um, but it allows me to be versatile. Um, I would like to get below 2.8 aperture, but that's, uh, that's what you sacrifice, I guess. So for, for our our listeners who might've just been mystified by prime lens and (laughs) 2.8, why don't we break that down and let's go really, uh, let's just put it this way. I'm going to guess that I bet our listeners are using their, their phones. So they, they know portrait and they know landscape. They, they put a filter on it for Instagram. So let's break it down. Let's go back. What's a prime lens and why would, why would you use it for landscape? Yeah, absolutely. So prime lenses and I'll also preface this, uh, I am still very much learning and, um, I may sound confident in some areas. Uh, sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's a facade. So bear with me there. Um, but, uh, but prime lenses are a fixed focal length 
where there's no adjustment. Uh, there's no like using the lens to get closer to or further away from your subject. And so you have to then, you know, walk closer or step farther back. Um, the nice thing about them is that you're able to get a wider aperture, uh, wider aperture. And so what that is layman's terms, it's depth of field. So anytime that you see a photo that looks like it has a really cool blurred out background and like one subject is, you know, really crisp and sharp, uh, that's a wide aperture and the, the benefit to prime lenses, uh, is that they typically have, um, they have more flexibility in that regard as you get into kind of variable focal lengths, you know, with lenses, um, that, uh, that drops a little bit, but there's some pretty good ones out there. Well, one of the things, one of the things going with the mirrorless, uh, as we talked before we hit the button, I I have a, a Nikon D750 full frame and I have a, a 10 and no, that's not 10. It might be a 10 millimeter wide angle lens. I mean, this thing's a beast. Wow. And I, um, I can use it to curl and get my weight lifting in when I'm using it. Cause it's, it weighs, it's, it's no fun to take around. And so the mirrorless, one of the things that I like about my mirrorless cameras, they're much lighter. Um, they're easier to, to go and, and use versus the old, well, not old, but you know, full frame glass, big lenses and all of that. So I'm with you. The mirrorless is the way to go in my world. Now everything I've, uh, I've got a sunk cost in the, in, in my Nikon stuff, but honestly mm-hmm. it's collecting dust. <laughs> so you like to use prime lenses, which is really cool. And you're shooting with a really nice Sony. I don't recall off the top of my head, the specs, but if it's the one that I think it is, that's a, a very nice, uh, <laughs> good on you. <laughs> so when you're out shooting, what are you looking for? How let's, let's just talk about, you know, so you live in kind of the Seattle area, right? I do. Yep. Northeast okay. Seattle. Northeast Seattle. So I'm going to send you out on a photo shoot for me. I want you to go to the Seattle center. Great. <laughs> you know, no one's yeah. ever shot the yeah. Seattle center before. So come on. Uh, there's that, <laughs> there's that tall building there that I needle space, yeah. space needle. Yeah. No one's ever yeah. taken a photo of that before. Not iconic, not, not at all. Yeah, not iconic at all. If you're going to go out and shoot something like, say, the Space Needle at uh, Seattle mm-hmm. Center, mm-hmm. what are you going to run around with? Are you going to use a, a variable? You're not going to take a prime lens there, are you? Are you going to use more of a range, or what are you going to do? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think um, the way I look at choosing between a prime lens and a, you know, like a telephoto lens or something like that is um, – how much control of the situation am I going to have? Right. So if I'm using a fixed focal length lens, um, typically I'm shooting like weddings or I'm shooting, you know, family shoots or something like that. Um, where I know I'm going to be able to control the environment or situation enough to where I'm not going to be worried about, you know, the, the amount of space that I have between me and my subject. Um, if I'm going out and just kind of whatever is out there, you know, just going to let my creativity fly. Um, I want to have a little bit of flexibility there because I may find myself in a situation where, Hey, I'm really close to this subject, but it looks really cool. So say space needle, I'm walking around Seattle center. 
Um, I find one perspective looking up at that thing and I'm stuck with a, with an 85 millimeter lens. And at that point, I'm going to be way too zoomed in and I have no control to get that shot. Um, and so I guess like when it comes to just being sent out and just seeing what else is out there, um, I want to have that flexibility and variety to be able to say, regardless of where I'm standing, regardless of, um, what the environment looks like, um, I have the best possible chance of getting quote unquote the shot. And so, um, I'll sacrifice a little bit on, you know, some of the benefits of a prime lens, but it won't, it won't be the worst thing in the world. Right. Does that Sony, um, does it have two SD card slots? It does. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I chose it. Um, I, like I mentioned, I used a Canon beforehand and the switching over to mirrorless, that wasn't always an option. And so made the, uh, made the switch to Sony. Some of my friends say I sold my soul, but it's, uh, it's treated, treating me well Two two SD card slots and all. So uh, it's so funny. People, uh, one of my buddies is a, is a photo guy, a camera guy, and he's totally Canon must be mm-hmm. Canon. Another one's must be Nikon. Yep. They, they both agree that Panasonic's are terrible. I mean, you know, that's the only <laughs> thing they can agree on. And I have a Panasonic. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and you, you the Sony's, uh, and I've got a couple of little Sony's and they're, I don't know, you just get used to it, but mm-hmm. the, the double SD card for like when you're out and about, I, I, I use it because I can shoot in raw and then I shoot in a JPEG and, hopefully both cards aren't going to fail at the same time because that's <laughs> terrible. You're out doing something cool and have a card error. Um, mm-hmm. That's never a fun thing. So do you shoot in raw typically? I, or you- yes, I, I shoot in raw pretty much exclusively um, okay. because I, I love the editing process and that's actually ultimately what got me, I think so hooked on photography was as much as I love shooting, um, I love editing and I love the creativity there. And so shooting in raw gives me that best flexibility. So since we're referencing the beginner's guide to getting a shot, we're just going to break this down and I'll just give my layman's, ex- my layman's opinion. You, you feel free to tell me how wrong I am. But, uh, <laughs> raw, raw is, is as uncompressed of a file as we can take an image with, with our cameras. So it's the, the cleanest, least compressed and JPEG is, and I can never remember the acronym, but it's a compression algorithm that allows images to be reduced in size. And they do lose some detail and, and with the compression. Mm -hmm. So raw allows you in editing to have a cleaner, bigger file to work with, to, to, to adjust the exposure if you needed to and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, most every professional or prosumer photographer I know uses raw and then convert them to JPEG for the web because raw images on the web would suck. <laughs> so editing, then let's go. Let's just talk about editing. Then, since you said you like to edit as as much as you like to take photos, what are you using to edit your photographs these days? Uh, I work almost exclusively exclusively out of Lightroom. Um, I'll do a little bit okay. of photo, Photoshop work if I if I need to, but um, but Lightroom is my my workhorse. Okay. 
So once again, for those that people that don't know, that's an Adobe product. Everyone's heard Photoshop. They probably think of Adobe, but Lightroom mm-hmm. is Adobe's photo editing suite. Well, it's not sweet. It's an app, right? Just, um, mm-hmm. it just seems to do. I've honestly, I've always been very confused as to what Lightroom does. Every time I tried to use it, it wanted to import every photograph on my computer and that scared me. <laughs> and so I just threw up my hands and said, no, 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 <laughs> don't, yeah. don't do that. But, well, I can, I can even give a little bit of a breakdown again, since I'm like, as I mentioned before, very much still learning in this and, and growing myself. And so the way I look at Lightroom versus Photoshop is most of what you can do in Lightroom, um, you can do in Photoshop as well, but Photoshop is, uh, it, Photoshop is a beast. It's literally where you are able to transform an image, um, in, innumerable ways. Lightroom is kind of what it sounds like. It's adjusting light. It's adjusting exposure, coloring, um, those kinds of things. There are some like, you know, spot selection, cropping capabilities, but, um, really what I use it the most for is getting that, um, you know, getting that exposure or look of an image. And I'm not doing a whole lot to like edit an individual out so to speak. Um, so it, it makes your, makes your workflow a lot smoother in that regard when you are, you know, really just touching up images. Okay. So in your article, you've got the three rules of photography. And so rule number one, you've got is direct the viewer's eye Mm -hmm. and you have a, there's an image there. And honestly, I don't know what, where that image is. So Hopefully it's Washington state. Cause this is all about exploring Washington state. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a great shot of a road. Where was that taken at? Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, that was just outside of Palouse falls. Uh, okay. that, that was on a drive back. I, I decided to make the great decision to drive out there with, you know, from Seattle, which is about a three and a half, four hour drive and then try to drive back in the same day. Um, probably would do things differently now, but I was gifted with a beautiful sunset coming back. So not too upset. Yeah. No, that's an awesome shot. So, so the, the companion piece to this podcast is now go look at the article and look at the photograph. <laughs> like Garrett describes to you how he composed the photograph to direct your eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it, it's something I learned fairly early on. Um, and kind of what I go into in the article is, I guess like for, for myself, when I first grabbed the camera, I'm thinking like, Oh, okay, cool. I can take any picture of anything and that thing will look cool. What I quickly noticed was, you know, in and of itself, an object might be cool or might be interesting or beautiful to look at. Um, what I noticed with other photographers that have been doing this for several years is there was kind of a, almost like a, gosh, this sounds meta. Um, this, it, it was kind of like a story to a photo, right? Where yes, there was this thing, but there were, you know, uh, there were other things going on in the photo that kind of drew your attention to it. You know, you think of like a river and maybe there's like a bridge at the end of that river. Obviously that bridge looks super cool, but you also kind of want to look at that river and follow how it gets to that bridge. So, um, so that's a practice that I, I try to put in place anytime that I go out shooting is okay. Some like a, a mountain might look really cool. 
what do the flowers leading up to that or the hills leading up to that look like too? And how can I compose that image to tell more of a story than, than just the mountain itself? Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent description of it. I, I love that. And by the way, um, this, this photo that we're referencing is taken from the center line of the road, which we are no way suggesting you should go play on the highway <laughs> and take photographs, practice safe, safe photography here, folks. Mm-hmm. And then I also like your, uh, the next one down, it's, it's another, uh, from dark to light. And that's a great, um, the silhouette is, is, is really nice I, on that specific photo. I do, I do want to ask you how much editing did you do to that one? Uh, uh, post. Yeah. Um, that one definitely took a, a bit more editing. Um, just because oftentimes when you shoot, uh, like say a really dark silhouette, um, sometimes that can result in a really grainy image because the camera is trying to pick up all the colors and um, different elements of light um, out there. And so it takes a little bit of a little bit of using the tools in Lightroom and Photoshop to smooth things over a little bit. But um, for that one specifically, I I think um, coloring was something I also tried to try to hone in on because uh, sometimes you can take a, and this is the fun part about learning, learning a, a DSLR or mirrorless camera, um, coloring out the camera itself is, it, it can seem a little bit bland at times, but the camera itself is smart enough to pick up a lot of the, um, undertones. And what Lightroom does is it allows you to pull some of those colors out. And so that's really what I focused in on here. And it was, uh, time of year when it was pretty hazy <laughs> this summer. And so it kind of has that, uh, that orangish feel to it as well. And where is this, uh, where's this photo of, what is this photo of? I believe that one was down in the, um, like the Rainier, uh, area. Okay. That makes sense. And then, so you've got rule number two, which is frame your subject. And you've got a photograph here that of something none of us have ever seen the Palouse falls. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, so and it's an awesome shot. Let me, before I get it, it, I, I'm giving you a hard time, but this is an awesome shot of the falls. And for those that have not been to the falls, I'd like you to like explain where you took this one from first and then let's talk about the photograph. So yeah, it's a great shot. Yeah. So <laughs> I, where I did you get that? This? What angle, where were you at on this one? Well, let's see. So this was, this was earlier this year. So I'll, let me recall. Um, the, the cool thing about the, about the Palouse Falls is that um, there's a couple different observation decks. Um, you're able to walk up around, um, walk up around and just kind of get different viewpoints of the falls as well. Um, but this was just like a, it was an area where I saw it. <clears throat> it looked like it, it almost looked like a steep pathway going down. Um, I did not attempt that and nor do I suggest anybody do. Um, but that steep pathway kind of was a result of two like almost pseudo cliff sides that kind of converged into, um, a single point. And as I was walking around a little bit and kind of took a step back, I saw like that actually framed the falls really nicely. And so I went to, I went to the Palouse Falls for probably the same shot that 
I mean, hundreds of photographers go, go for is, uh, each month, hundreds each month, <laughs> hundreds each month. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that there's a famous shot that you can, that you can get of the falls itself, the, the pool it's falling into, and then kind of the river through a ravine. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself like, well, I, I really want to be somewhat unique in this. Um, even though I'm sure again, hundreds of photographers have taken my photo as well. Um, I'm using air quotes, but, um, yeah, I found, found that that spot, um, it kind of drew, again, it drew my attention into the falls, but it had mm-hmm. enough of a story in and of itself, um, to make for a, a fun image. No, it's, it is. It's, it's nice. It's very nice to compose. That's one of the things I, I noticed about this article when I was, when I was looking at it the first time, I really appreciated the, the attention to detail and you've got a great eye. And so that's, that's, that's good. So that's, is, you did a nice job of framing the falls. I appreciate so that. Then the next, the next photo is, is that a bison? Yes. Uh, so this and, is, and, and, and that's non-Washington, <laughs> right? This is, this is me kick, kicking myself. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. This, <laughs> this is in Jackson, Wyoming. Um, yeah, that's, that's a cool place. We can talk about it. It's okay. <laughs> It's black and white. So it's, you know. Exactly. It's not, it's not the, it's not the winner of the article. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think this is also on the subject of framing. Um, so I think kind of the, the, the reason I paired it along with the Palouse Falls shot for, from a framing perspective is um, again, I kind of look at uh, like what, what draws the attention, what minimizes noise, but also still gives a little bit of a story, um, to pair with the, like the subject itself. And so in this photo, you know, it's a single bison in a, in a grass field. And as we were driving me and my friends, we were driving around, like there were several bison around and there were, you know, other flowers and there were other things in this field. What drew me to this one photo was the fact that, you can obviously tell he's in a field. Um, you know, there's other stuff potentially going on, but it's not super noisy where it's like, Oh, look at that bench in the background or like, you know, look at that, that other bison or whatever. It's still drawing your attention to the subject, but it gives a little bit of a story. And so it's kind of a fun one to fun one to catch. And I like the fact that you did it in black and white. I mean, you know, that's a, a nice take on the photo too. So it's, I think it's very, it's simple, but yet there's a lot for the eye to look at without getting, you know, fatigued, I guess. So, so, so many, I mean, a lot of my stuff is I don't have a good eye. Um, so it's, there's just too much going on and it's kind of exhausting for me. And then, so rule number three is layers, layers, layers. Sounds like we're going outside and, not sure what the weather's going to be like. So we must be in Seattle. (laughs) Um, Why don't you elaborate on the layers and what you're looking for when you're creating a shot? Yeah. So it kind of, it kind of pairs with the, um, like the other compositional, you know, subject there of, of framing. Um, the way that I, I look at it is what is what, again, what is drawing my eye to the subject? What are the steps that I am taking to get to that subject? And as I'm looking at a picture, 
And so, um, so especially here in the Northwest, um, and there are two photos here that I give as, as examples for this, but, um, but there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of mountains with the cascades, uh, a lot of trees, obviously, and finding a way to, to capture all of that, that give kind of a, a fuller story to, you know, to a picture. Um, it, it, again, it was just something that, uh, that I look at as how am I, how am I giving somebody more to look at in a single photo? Um, how am I, how am I gripping their attention? And so layering a few different elements at the same time, while not trying to produce noise, I guess, uh, that's just something that I look for when going out and shooting. Well, what's interesting is you've got this, once again, you're standing in the middle of the road, um, (laughs) and, and the roads drawing your eye towards, towards the back of the photograph. And you've got the power lines to the left that don't really, you, you're you seeing them because of the reflection of the light on them, which is kind of, they almost look like a spider web. But what I want to know about this photo, at the end of the bridge, there's a, a the road turn. So you can kind of see the arrow where, you know, turning. And there's a, a blurb of light. Was that a car? That was a car. And fortunately this was enough of a zoom to where I could see it coming and sprint out of the way. (laughs) Well, what's really cool though, is that there's this, there's this blur of light and it's not obtrusive. It's just enough as you're looking at the photograph because the road drives, drives my eye towards straightforward. And then I'm looking up to the trees or pointing upward to the mountain and all that. And that's very cool. But then there's this, this element of light and I'm going, Hmm. I think that's a car. (laughs) That's kind of cool. So I like the composition um, you didn't know this was going to be like a photography you know, <laughs> judging contest or neither did I really when we started. So, um, but no, I think, I think, you know, once again, you've, you've layered an, a really nice look to this and a good time of day for the lighting. Everything looks great. And then the other photograph, uh, is that, I'm, this is going to sound bad for me asking, is that Mount Sai? No, that's uh okay. I actually just recently learned this too. So, uh, pardon my former ignorance. Um, no, that is Mount Persis over in, um, it's kind of near index Washington. Okay. I, I like that one because the trees are, you know, obviously the trees are vertical and they're, they're kind of dry driving your eye up towards Mount Persis, but the light on the mountain is just awesome. It, this is, you've got a great yeah. light hitting the mountain. Nice, nicely done. Thank you. Nicely done. That was a, yeah, I remember it was actually, pretty close to where I was taking the other photo. Um, okay. again, uh, safely standing in the middle of the road. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, as I ran off to the side and kind of drove around a little bit, I was actually taking a photo of something different, trying to catch the sunset. And then I kind of just stood there for a second. And I just like turned my head, looked around and I saw, you know, the mountain just right there. And I was like, well, okay, this, uh, this might work out perfectly. So grabbed my camera and, yeah. and captured it. It was just kind of a cool moment where it was a reminder that, you know, I was going out to shoot one thing. Um, mm-hmm. but simply by turning my head and, you know, being spontaneous and being open to whatever is around me and the flexibility of the lens that I had, um, I was able to capture another, in my opinion, even better photo. Yeah, no, these are, these are great. So the theme of the show obviously is, you know, exploring Washington state. So in your world, carrying your camera around with you, where are some places in Washington that you 
And please don't say the space nail. Uh, it's a running joke I have with the space nail. But um, where do you? Where are some places in Washington State that you think are maybe underappreciated and have great photo opportunities? No, that's a that's a great question. Um, so for me, I I I think the North Cascades are. It's just one of the most immaculate places in the state that, uh, frankly, I, even though I grew up just an hour, hour South of, of, uh, Seattle, um, I never did much exploring up there. You know, I hung around in, um, kind of near Mount Rainier and, um, even the Gifford Pinchot forest, but never really visited the North Cascades, literally driving around like highway two or highway 20. Uh, those are in my limited experience, uh, some of my favorite places to have a camera and just kind of have a watchful eye because it feels like every time I drive out there, uh, something new stands out, you know, in addition to all the hikes and, and beauty around there. But, um, but the North Cascades, uh, really just never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. It's a beautiful area and you're right. And I'm not that, well-versed up there myself. Um, I, I go to twisp, uh, quite a bit just cause I like to say the word twisp. Um, but, uh, I love it. Yeah. It's about as close on from the, from the, from the central Washington side. I I've gone to Mazama and I haven't gone over the, the cascades that way. I think many years ago I came over from the West side to the East side over them, but I need to get up there and they just closed it for the winter. So it'll have mm. to be next spring. Which, so how about, yeah. how about this? Let me ask you this. So, Let's go urban Seattle. What's, what's, what's an area in Seattle that's, you know, I'm going to take away. You can't say Pike place and you can't say Seattle center. Yep. Um, the rest. (laughs) Uh, another one that I, I mean, very, very often will, uh, retreat to is discovery park. Um, okay. Again, because of the variety, and also like mm-hmm. I remember going there. So I went to University of Washington, and I remember going every year, just a couple times with with some friends. And you see one element of Discovery Park, and you're like, okay, cool, I've seen it, been there, done that. Uh, it's massive, <laughs> and uh, it's fun to discover that, even having lived in Seattle for you know almost a decade now. Um, and so, again, it's another element of I feel like any time that I go. Um, I'm finding something new. And so I would say discovery park. Um, and then I think it's also fun to, to find different viewpoints, um, different viewpoints of downtown Seattle. And, uh, I'm not able to name some of the streets off the top of my head, but sometimes it literally is just a matter of driving around. Um, and if you have a a free night and you want to clear your head, um, there's a, there's just so much to, uh, so much to the city that just by driving around, you're going to find a, uh, an angle, a position of something iconic, um, you know, that's going to stand out to you and it's going to, going to be beautiful. And even if it's just by you having an iPhone, um, or an Android, no judgment there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're likely you're, you're bound to find something that's, uh, that's going to stand out as, you know, your image, your shot. So <laughs> sorry, this is not meant to be a, <laughs> no, that's I, completely okay. That was <laughs> awesome. I actually like that. Um, 
because honestly, the cameras on both of the the Samsung phones and the and the and the Apple phones are it, they're crazy. Um, mm-hmm. That there's yeah, it's just crazy what you can do with with the with your with your cell phone these days. And you know, the old adage is the best camera to use is the one you've got. So it's kind of like most of us walk around with our cell phones all day long and. I would I would think it would be great if we would all be a little more how about mindful and, and mm-hmm. instead of texting all day long, not there's no judgment there, but how about <laughs> using your phone as your camera and documenting the the community that you're working in and walking around in. And, you know, there's great stuff everywhere. So Yeah. Do and you that, use do you use your phone much for photography? So uh so when I first started to really get into photography, it was almost like I the pendulum completely swung and I was like, Oh, I'm not, not using my phone ever again, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, I've actually found myself, um, appreciating the camera on my phone, um, a little bit more as of late. I think there's, uh, <laughs> I, I struggle with being a perfectionist. And so by th- there was just something in me that was like, Oh, unless it's a raw image out of my, you know, really nice camera, then it's not worth it. You know, it's, it's not worth the shot. Uh, but actually something I go into with the article is, is, you know, you really don't have to, in order to quote unquote, get the shot, it's not about the, it's not always about the equipment itself. And so, um, so that's where, you know, some of my rules of photography, again, personal, not official. Um, some of my, some of those rules are really helpful for getting a, a cool, good, fun image out of my phone. Um, I'm still figuring out how to best use the wide angle on the new iPhones, but uh, that's a work in progress. Um, okay, but see, there's something to you're you're continuing. You know, look, an, a painter doesn't use the the same brush for everything he's doing. He or she is doing in a painting, so you're you're learning a new tool for your your toolbox. So that's awesome. Yeah. I guess the, the bottom line for me is again, redefining what a quote unquote good image is, right. Um, it's ultimately about the story that you're telling. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to be sitting and taking a bunch of selfies everywhere. Again, no judgment to anybody that does, but, uh, but Hey, that shot of your lunch today. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just don't check my Instagram. Uh, kidding. Um, no, I think, uh, I think that mindfulness or that awareness of how to, how to apply some of the same rules and same, um, I guess, same practices as you would with a, with a nicer camera, um, to your phone, recognizing that you're just, te- you are telling a story. Um, even if it's just for your own memory, you know, just to look back on, um, and that is worth it. And I think for me that I needed to relearn that, um, when it came to, you know, using my phone is okay, sweet. Because I have this nice camera, like, yes, that can be, you know, that can be great for producing, you know, maybe higher quality images. But if the purpose is literally to document, um, a trip that I went on or a drive that I did, um, that has value. And so there's an, there's an element of redefining that value. Um, that's actually driven me more to, I would say, use my phone to, to take pictures. Okay. 
on your website, you've got three major categories of work, love, and play. What is, as a professional photographer, what's your, what's your, how do you knit yourself down and what, what do you like working on? That's a, that's a great question. Um, so those three categories, work, love, and play, uh, especially when I got my start, uh, from a work perspective, um, having come from a sales world, um, I found myself also being connected with a lot of corporations and companies that would host like, you know, holiday parties or, you know, work events. And I had, I had experienced working those. And so a lot of those include a photographer. So, um, I'll do a lot of event photography, uh, for that. Um, love is pretty self-explanatory. I love doing weddings. Um, and then play is very much everything in between, right? So whether that's like an engagement session or whether that's, you know, family photos or senior portraits, et cetera, the underlying theme for all of it is that, uh, it, it really stems from a love of working with people. Um, mm-hmm. as you, <laughs> as you get to get to know people through a lens, you also then see how amazing, you know, amazing our world is amazing. These communities are. Um, and so really anything that allows me to interact with other people that I, and, and meet new people, uh, that's something that fires me up. Very cool. Earlier today, you were mentioning, I hope it's okay that I say this. <laughs> Go for uh, it. You were mentioning you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing a corporate shoot later on this weekend coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So if I may ask directly, what exactly are you going to be doing there? I mean, what's the, is it an event or is it, is it a product shoot? So yeah, this is a, this is a good transition that I'm finding myself in as well as, um, is this will be a product shoot for a coffee company. Um, I hope to be sharing a little bit more of that, uh, a little bit later on. Um, you know, some of the details there, but, um, but yeah, um, this will be a product shoot for some, like, you know, some, some fun new releases, a uh, little bit of a theme for the season, you know, we're in and holidays and whatnot. Um, and so it's really just a way to kind of couple the, I, or I guess work on the creative, um, side of things mm-hmm. as well. That's, that's very cool. And, um, uh, and that's, and that's great that you're working with local companies because we're all about, you know, trying to support and showcase Washington state based businesses that are not necessarily, um, behemoths, mm-hmm. <laughs> large franchises. I mean, nothing, nothing wrong there, but mm-hmm. I, I would much, I, we enjoy talking about the, the, the little guy, if you will. And cause there's some people doing this, some amazing stuff in the state on, in just, um, and that's one of the things that we're, we're finding as we, as we go out and explore, um, I'm just running into some amazing, um, people are doing some amazing things and mm-hmm. there's so much creativity out there. People yeah. are doing some stuff that I just, I mean, I'm just always like, wow, you know, that's, that's cool. And I'm just scrolling as I'm, as I'm talking to you, yeah. as, I'm just scrolling through your, your site. And I just, I must say, I, I keep coming back to the composition of your shots they're, they're very, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. It just, they just feel authentic. And that, that may be a, a really, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that's probably a trite word to use, but they, they feel like I'm looking at this one and it's at an auction mm-hmm. and, and you can see that there's, there's 
well, basically you've got it framed. There's three people bidding. And I just love the fact that you've got how pretty much everything is blurred except for these three bidding cards. And one of the cards is more, is, is super crisp. One of them's kind of blurred and one's not really, but more blurred. And I just <laughs> love this in the eye. I just like what you're doing here. I just think you've done some great stuff and you helped Mackenzie with our, um, our bucket list posters. She said you were instrumental in helping her find uh, images. So, you know, first off, you know, thank you for, for helping us with that. But it's really seems very obvious to me that you just truly like doing what you're doing, which mm-hmm. is super cool. So good on you. I appreciate that. I, I actually love the word authenticity. Um, I think that it comes back to that, that love of working with people. Um, I think everybody's looking for something genuine. Some everybody's looking for something authentic. And I think especially this, this region, the Pacific Northwest, um, I, I love what I see with, with that. I love how there is a desire for community and family and, uh, neighborhood feels, so to speak. And it's something that I look for. And it's something I try to cultivate as well is, you know, as much as I love like, you know, posing and finding, finding good, you know, poses for people to, to step into that create a, a good image. Um, there's something about capturing somebody in their element that that mm-hmm. is, that is one of the, one of the coolest things. Um, one of my good buddies, uh, who's another photographer, um, he has kind of a, a slogan that I love that I try to take to heart as well as if you think that you're not, uh, if you think that you're not photogenic, I'm here to prove you wrong. And, uh, That's cool. and I think that kind of a, a mindset and kind of a heart posture really, um, just shows that, uh, you know, there's a lot of beauty to, to embrace and to look for. Um, and if you, if you feel, you know, maybe, I don't know if you feel like being on the other side of a lens is, is uncomfortable um, my goal is to, my goal is to create an environment where you feel like you can loosen up a little bit and then show you, you know, just how great you look. Wow. That sounded so salesy. How do you go, how, well, it's okay. But how do you go about doing that? What's, how does it, cause I like per, personally, I, I really don't like having my photograph taken at all. I, mm-hmm. I just, I see a camera and I become the smallest six foot four person you've ever seen in your life. I just try to shrink and disappear. I just am deathly afraid of the camera. Um, so I'm curious because what, what do you like? Mm-hmm. Give us one, one example of something you, you try to do that helps people feel more comfortable in front of the lens. Yeah. Uh, the, the bottom line is establishing trust. Um, knowing that the person taking your picture is, you know, also a human being. Um, and so therefore having a conversation, you know, beforehand, just to get, just to get to know each other, right. What, what, what are your likes? What are your dislikes? What do you, uh, you know, are, are you in school? Are you working? Like, how are you handling, you know, everything going on, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it depends on obviously the level of relationship that you have with the other person, but, um, really just establishing that baseline of, all right, 
this camera as a tool. It's not, uh, it's not trying to, you know, point out all, all of your flaws. Um, this camera's a tool. Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, I, I, at least that's the mindset that I, I take into it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak for everybody, Sorry. but, um, no, it's, I, I think having that baseline trust, um, before going into a shoot is really critical. Uh, avoiding saying, say cheese, um, you know, <laughs> a few, few of those practices, I tell you, they add up. Awesome. All right. So a couple of things we always ask everybody. And, and unfortunately right now at the time of this recording, we're kind of not free to move about the cabin. We have to have our seatbelts on and, you know, the, the, the governor has put the, you know, put our trays in the upright position and all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. your, your bio says born and raised in the PNW love finding hip coffee shops. And never watched game of, and I love that. That was just awesome. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Okay. Give us a couple of Seattle area coffee shops that we might not. Uh, there's, there's hundreds of them in Seattle. So mm-hmm. give us a couple of like, where do you go to grab that cup of coffee that you like to have? Well, I am a heavily caffeinated individual. So uh, it's, it's <laughs> quite an extensive list. Um <laughs> No, I bring it on. <laughs> um, one that a lot of people in Seattle know of is is Zoka uh, Coffee, which is um, one that I've I've frequented ever since college, and so they're really fun. Um, Broadcast Coffee Roasters, uh, they have a location in kind of Roosevelt area, North Seattle, a couple in Central District. Uh, they're awesome. Armistice Coffee Roasters, um, they also have a location in Roosevelt, another in East Lake, uh, Santo. Um, coffee. They are, um, again, similarly in Roosevelt, that's kind of a, uh, hotspot for it. Um, man, I could go on and on. I mean, Storyville coffee is another fun one. Um, a few areas in, in Queen Anne, um, Capi Ladro. <laughs> it's, uh, I think that's the, one of the most fun elements of Seattle that I think is also one that needs a lot of attention right now, um, is, a lot of people have poured a ton of creativity into coffee. Um, Absolutely. A ton of creativity into the spaces to, to come and sit and spend your day, whether you're working or meeting with somebody. And a lot of these, um, a lot of these coffee cop- companies, um, you know, they're now with the, you know, with the, the mandates and instructions there. Um, they're really, uh, you know, they, they could use our support. And so, um, I think I, I always look for, okay, who is, who is really poured a lot of themselves into creating, creating an atmosphere, uh, that is welcoming to people. And so, yeah, I would say, uh, <laughs> that list is pretty extensive, but, um, but really it's, uh, it's also worth keeping an eye out for if you're driving to the grocery store, if you're driving to, you know, fill up, fill up with gas and, and whatnot. The cool thing about Seattle is that, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of these coffee spots around and it's worth stopping in, buying a bag, you know, buying a cup of something and then, you know, contributing that way. So when you're, when you're going to your favorite shop, what's the beverage of choice? 
Well, if I'm, uh, if I'm getting creative, um, I'll go with something like a cortado, um, even a latte, just being a little bit more simple on that, uh, on that front. But, uh, other than that, if I'm being practical, I'll go with like a iced coffee or a cold brew. Um, the reason for that is, uh, I, gosh, this is probably six years ago. I was driving to a sales meeting. Um, I grabbed a drip coffee from, uh, must've been Starbucks or something, but, um, as I'm driving, of course, it's too hot. I kind of fumble a little bit, spill all over myself, and had to go into that meeting with a coffee-stained shirt. Vowed from that point forward, if I'm driving, I'm only getting iced coffee. Much easier to control. But um, I think that's uh, that's kind of stuck with me, I guess. But other than that, it's uh, it's you know other other types of coffee are great too mochas and anything a little bit more sweet you know have their time and place but i just i love the taste of coffee so when you're drinking at home what do you drink at home how do you prepare your coffee at home <laughs> uh well typically it's typically it's drip coffee and just a a pour over um okay. i haven't quite gotten to the point of you know an espresso machine um I've watched kicking and screaming, you know, a little bit too much to see how Will Ferrell just turned into a caffeine addict. If you know, you know. Oh, okay. Well, that, uh, that reference. Oh, you know. no, but that sounds like I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, references can, can be risky at times. Um, I know. Is, is this a, is this a movie? Kicking and screaming. Yes, it is a very family friend, friendly uh, movie. Will Ferrell, who is not a soccer soccer dad becomes much more of a soccer dad. He, uh, actually coaches a team to get back at his father. It's this whole story. You just got to see it. Okay. Well, if it has a coffee and espresso machine reference in it and it's Will Ferrell, I've got to watch it. Okay. So look for people who are listening, not only do they get photography tips, they've gotten some coffee shops and now we got movie references. <laughs> this is awesome. I I'm kind of a, I do an AeroPress at home. That's, that's mm -hmm. kind of my thing. I, I enjoy the AeroPress. Um, that's, yeah. Okay. So AeroPress, is, AeroPress is great. Um, yeah. It's also, that's a great one for like taking out camping or hiking or anything like that too. Right. Yeah. The super portable. So I like that. All right. So we're going to try to wrap this up. I feel like we're trying to land the plane and the gears didn't come down and we circled around <laughs> the airport again. So now we're going to land the plane if somebody's looking for photography and, and you sound like you might be a good fit for them because you're going to make them feel comfortable in front of the lens and you've got a great eye because that's what I'm telling them. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you online? Uh, so you can go to my website, which is simply www.garretthanson.net. Um, it is two R's, two T's, H-A-N-S-O-N. Uh, I can thank my parents for having two names that uh, you have to spell multiple ways. Um, but uh, GarrettHanson.net, Instagram and Facebook, uh, it's just Garrett Hansen underscore photography. Um, aside from that, I, I haven't quite broken into TikTok quite yet, and I don't know if I will. Um, but no, those those two uh, social medias and then my website are typically pretty good. I'll put a link in the show notes so that they don't have to type it out. They can just click a link if they want to. How's that? <laughs> That's easier. Much easier. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on and saving the day for us. And this has been fun. 
And uh, I'd encourage everybody to go and check out the article on our site because it's, it's, it is a good article and your photography is great. So they should check it out there and then go check you out also. But I'm going to throw you one last question because there's a, on your website, on your about me page, there's a photo of you. Yeah. You didn't take that, did you? Uh, that one, no, that was out just, uh, <laughs> just, uh, hanging out with some friends. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll also give the one caveat that, uh, that I have, I think much shorter hair in that one. I need to update it. You, you do, you do, you have much, you have much shorter hair. Um, but in the time of COVID, everybody's hair is longer. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Quarantine has gotten the best of me in that regard, but yeah, there we go. But anyway, <laughs> so, so we people go check him out online, and and if you need some photography, you should you should give him a shot because no pun intended. But um, hey, he's even offering to buy the coffee if you want to start a conversation with him. I mean, come on, free coffee to talk about photography, you should do that. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for being on the show, and uh, look forward to talking with you guys. Well, because we're going to do something else with you, and I've talked about having you do some other content for us, so. I'm looking forward to that and that might have to warrant a, you might be the first person we have back on the show a second time. Wow. Um, Cause then we can talk about that topic. Wow. Right. Yeah. That'd be kind I'm, of fun. That's exciting. That'd be fun. Right. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. No, that'd, be kind of, that'd be kind of fun. Cause it's a, you know, and for those of the people that know me, they'll instantly know what topic that is. So, um, <clears throat> and you kind of gave clues away too. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I always, this is, I'm going to say this and this is just, this is your pilot. You know, I'm going to try to not crash the plane, but foam the runway. Cause we never end these things smoothly. Thanks for being a great guest. And I really appreciate you being on the show. And oh my gosh. Say goodbye. It's my, it's, <laughs> it's my pleasure. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for having me on and you guys are awesome to work with. So I look forward to more. Awesome. All right. Take care. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.